Welcome back to another episode of Simply Unprofessional. I'm your host, Webby. Joining me today, we got Devin. Hey, how's it going, people? Oh, Devin. This. Oh, Webby. This, this was a ride. This week's topic was quite a ride for me. It sure uh, was. And it, it was, was a ride. It had a lot of highs, a lot of lows. True. Uh, <laughs> so, we just for the fans, we are reviewing both a movie and a show. Kind of, I guess it's going to be kind of concurrent. We're just going to shoot the shit about these two things. <clears throat> yeah, we've been wanting to do for a while. Well, I've been wanting to do for a while, but Webby hasn't seen the show up to this point. Yeah. But now he's not going to see the show. So now we can talk about it. So both. And he gets some references. Yeah, I do. And both the show and the movie are both on Netflix. Now, I had. I, it's not that I was avoiding watching the show, it's. I mean, a lot of people t- talked its praises, and I, I don't know. I guess maybe I just grew up in a different like. Y- you know me; I'm not real big into anime. I'm, I'm kind of picky with anime and stuff. And as far as it just being a cartoon, I feel like maybe it was just I was just past that mark of in in my life when this maybe came out that I maybe was just not into it at the time. Um. Or maybe I was just into other things that took up too much time, um, but I was willing—I I was willing to give this a go because everybody else, again, just sung its praises, and it was light and day from my from people understand when I asked this question. Hey, what, did you like the TV show and how did you like the movie? Oh my God, that's like a light switch, apparently. Uh, and having seen both, I understand, uh, but. So this week, we're going to be talking about Avatar The Last Airbender. Yes. I'm going to get this right out of the way right now. Both movie and cartoon, hands down, favorite character, Appa and Momo. That's that's that. (laughs) Uh, I do feel like the movie Appa looked really strange because they tried to give him more of like a humanized size mouth to versus his facial features where in the cartoon his mouth is just super wide like and i don't know that's part of what made him adorable to me uh i was okay so dev man i got questions i don't know where to start i i i might need you to just kind of give a structure because I already, like, I watched the end of the movie, or I watched the end of the series either yesterday or the day before. And I watched the movie today. The end of the series, first off, there's only three seasons. Well, then, then there's Korra, but... Well, I have not watched The, the Legend of Korra. But Which, it, it is it, my understanding that The Legend of Korra is technically, it's separated. They do a lot of callbacks and stuff. It but is. It is. The Legend of Korra is, is... In the future. It is the future, yes. It is the future. I actually really like The Legend of Korra. I like, in my personal opinion, The Legend of Korra season one and season three, or, or is it three or four seasons of The Legend of Korra. I don't know. I, I am willing to give it a go. I'm it's not bad. It's not bad at all. Four seasons, sorry. Uh, season one, really good of Legend of Korra. Season, I think the second half of season two, I was okay. Season three was pretty good. Season four, I liked a lot. So, okay. there you go. It had a little bit of an immediate dip for you and then and built back up for you. Yeah. It, I, and it's just because Korra is a very different... It's a, she's a different show. Right. It's a very different show. Uh, she's a very different character. And I like Korra a lot. Don't get me wrong. It's just that there are some times in the show where you like you look at Korra and you're just like... Ugh. 
right? Like some of the stuff she would do because she's a very um she's a very bullheaded character. Now I'm gonna ask you this right now, and you don't have to tell me, and it's it, it won't dissuade me from watching Korra. Mm-hmm. But is there an Appa in Korra and or an Appa adjacent character? Um, I believe I'll take a second. One second. Now, for those of you who have not seen Avatar The Last Airbender, I'm going to be referring to Appa a lot. And I want to let you know right now. I want to let you know right now. Appa is like a six ton flying bison. Or some shit like that. I don't remember how much he weighs exactly, but he is a six legged flying bison. He's super huge. And he's Aang's spirit companion. Yeah, like, um, like Korra's, spiritually attached. Yeah, Korra's animal companion um, is is Naga, um, who, who who is a uh, who's a polar bear dog. Okay. So, uh, is there a link or a picture that you could send to show me? Because obviously, this would not be SU without some sort of visual representation that the listeners can't see. Sure, I can send you a picture of Naga the polar bear. <clears throat> I will say that's one thing that I found very interesting throughout the series of watching um, Avatar Last Airbender. With the exception of one animal, there are no normal ass animals in this show. All the animals are a mixture of, you know, two or more animals smushed together into one thing. Uh, For example, they had turtle ducks. Which were just ducks with turtle shells. I love turtle ducks. Um, they yeah. also had the saber, saber tooth cat Check moose. Chat. All right, it's just like an oversized white dog. Yeah, it's a polar bear sized white dog. <laughs> okay, I, I can get okay, and I, I take it by it that picture. Cora must be. A, I'm guessing she's a waterbender. Yeah, so look at that, Devin. Devin, I watched something, I retained knowledge, and just based off a picture, I can kind of tell. Well, I'm guessing she's is she the avatar? So, Cora is the yeah, she is the avatar. She she is, in fact, the waterbender. And there's also uh, Pabu, who's a fire ferret. Um, here's Peter Pabu. I like Pabu. Pabu's cool. Um, oh, I like him. I might watch the show just for that thing. For Pabu, I love Pabu. He looks like a mixture between a ferret and a red panda. That's kind of what he is. Nice. All right. He's a fire player. But anyway, um, <sighs> one of, so she's kind of the opposite of Aang. Aang had problems learning firebending because he was kind of a pacifist and firebending is like very, comes from a place of like passion and anger and, you know, aggression. He, he and also kind had, of not him. He also had a lot of trouble learning earthbending. But he had Toph, who's like probably arguably right. the arguably Toph's the best human character in the show. Yes, I <laughs> I will agree to that. Uh, and yes, he did have Toph, but he still struggled with it because it's his op- It was his opposite, right? So, so unlike that, like we start the show with her. She 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 knows water bending. She knows earth bending, and she knows fire bending. Oh, she has she, a hard she time knows, th- She knows all of them right off the bat. Yeah, but she has a hard time learning airbending. Like, a really hard time learning airbending because she lacks... She's very bullheaded and lacks, like, the inner tranquility and patience. Gotcha. All right. Oh, yeah. And I really kind of like their first villain in the show. Um, yeah, I'm not going to get too much into that, but, like, I do like their first villain in that show. Like, he was he was pretty cool. All right. He kind of seems like a Batman villain in a weird way. Like, I don't know why. Like, I could see him, like, being in, being in a Batman villain. Like, and it would be like, oh, that makes sense. Devin anyway. just pastes a picture into the chat of the Joker wearing, like, some Fire Nation outfit. It's like, well, I see where you get this from. <laughs> um, sp- speaking of the Joker, did not know Mark Hamill did a voice in this goddamn show. Mark Hamill does voices everywhere. Dude. Uh, I, that's true. I should just assume that if I'm watching a cartoon, that Mark Hamill has a voice ha- has his hand in it somewhere. Yeah. This um, is the villain this is a picture of the villain in the first season of Korra. Like, oh, okay. Oh, he wears a mask. He is Fire Nation. At least that's what his uniform looks like. Mm. Is is it always Fire Nation that's the bad guys? No. Oh, not really. Well, that's okay. In fact, um, no, 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 not really. I mean, the Fire Nation was bad in the last one. The Fire Nation, in this one's kind of weird, but um. 
Yeah, no, it's been a while since I've seen Korra. I, re- I remember the last Airbender more than I remember Korra. Not in a bad way or anything, just because I've seen less Airbender more recently than I've seen Korra. Right. Yeah. Um, so for people, uh, Mark Hamill, uh, he plays the voice of Fire Lord Ozai in the cartoon, uh, who is your, I guess, he's the main antagonist, but early on, the main antagonist would be Zuko, and he is Zuko's father, right? Okay. Yep. I'm making sure I get some of the. I'm making sure that I get these these facts correct. Because also, the father of Azula. Yes. Who or the uh, or was, the textbook definition of everyone's crazy ex girlfriend? Yes, she was insane, <laughs> especially at the end. <laughs> she had like a complete breakdown. I was like, wow, I did not expect this character to go this route, but okay. <laughs> um, but she went there. So, Devin, I will say right off the bat, I'm very upset when I ended the show and I. I I looked and I was like, well, they're obviously not making any more of these. They do not. I have more questions than I have answers at this point. What are your uh, questions? Shower me with your questions. Ah, uh, dude. Maybe okay. Can, so, first there, and there foremost, is a, a comic after this. First, after the show. Now, is yeah. there a manga? First off, is there like a manga that would. Uh, there is a. Tell? Uh, well, I mean, this is a completely American show. Okay. So. Is there a comic or a, yes. is there some form of media? that I can go and I can learn to what happens to Team Aang after the end of the show, like, between that time gap, because The Legend of Korra, I believe, is, like, fucking 70-something yep. There are years one, two, three, four, five, six... Um, there are six current gra- graphic novels that are currently out, and then there is another graphic novel coming out in October um, called Katara and the Pirate Silver. Okay. Um, but yeah, the promise, the search, the rift, smoke and shadow, north and south, imbalance, and then Katara and the pirate silver, which is a—they're all collections or graphic novels, but they're all there. Okay, because like one main question I had was, and we're—I'm going to be skipping all over the place. Uh, at the end, spoiler alert: if if no one's ever seen Avatar: The Last Airbender, and by you really want to uh, go watch it, it's on Netflix. Just go. Um, Zuko at the end, like the one of the last things we see from Zuko is he visits his father in the prison and asks where his mother is. We never get an answer to that. Like where what happened to his I mom? think they I think like, that doesn't answer because like they like here's one of the covers. It's not like a great picture, but here's one of the covers <sighs> of the things after the fact. So you can see kind of they kind of form a party. And, well yeah, but I mean Zuko had technically joined their party prior. Right, no, I mean but no, I mean but like that that continues for a while. Like because well, we, we do know we do find out in Korra that Zuko does eventually take over as Fire Lord. Right. Um Well Zuko he, Zuko became Fire Lord at the end of the Avatar series. Right, right, right. But I mean he did have the whole thing. Like he he did have a whole rule. Um but between there and there we did have they did have travels, that's what I was trying to say. Like okay. he does take over. But yeah, they do have travels. Okay. Um, speaking of Zuko, the person who voiced Zuko in the cartoon was uh, Rufio from the P- the Peter Pan the, from the Hook movie. Like, wait, Marco Rufio? No, the the guy who played Rufio. I know. I know. Uh, his name is D- Dante Bosco, I, I think. Marco Rubio, the United States senator, is actually also Zuko. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, wait, what? Um. Also, I'd probably, you know, honestly, for me, <clears throat> a character that I really liked, maybe not necessarily on the same level as Toph, but for different reasons than Toph oh, as well. Um, the uncle? uncle? The uncle? Uncle Iroh. Uncle Iroh is probably the best. Like, I was it, very like, upset. Uncle Iroh he... is the best for, like, character development and over time. Yeah. I think he's my best human character, but just for, like, laughs and LOLs, Toph all day. I, I was really upset that in the movie, the live action movie, they called him Eero. I was like, come on, of, come on, people. And they called There's Aang a lot Aang. wrong with that movie. There's a lot wrong with that movie. Like I said, like the funniest, like the uh, the the voice actor of Aang said it best. He was like, he, he, he was asked about the movie. He's like, honestly, I've never seen the movie. He's like, no disrespect. He's like, but I am still an actor. So I refuse to like disparage the movie because I may find myself sitting across a table from M. Night Shyamalan one day. Um, <laughs> but he's like, he's like, when asked, you know, when, when, uh, when M. Night Shyamalan was asked about why he just decided to, you know, pronounce the names that way. 
he was told it was more, you know, that's because it, it, that's the more, like, technical way to pronounce those names, right? But then you cast a white kid to play Aang. So my question is, what's yeah. the point? You also, <laughs> cast, the point? You, you also cast a white kid to play Katara and Sokka. I know. So and then the everyone point? else, like, from already. what I saw, everyone else in their water tribe was not white, except for their grandmother. Like, I just questioned what was the point of all of it. I was like, wow, all right. Uh, What was the point of all of it? I will say I did not mind. I didn't care necessarily for the acting, but I'm not going to pin that on the actor. Uh, I did not mind the casting choice for Zuko. Everyone in that movie was, like like he said in the interview, he specifically cast everyone who was, like, no name people. Which is fine. I would uh, probably, I would probably do that with a big budget Hollywood movie. I wouldn't yeah. cast everybody. Like, granted, the movie well, was he, successful. He, he did say, like, there are some big names in there. Like, well, I mean, not big, but there are some bigger <laughs> names in that movie. But like, he 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 had specified that the kids in that movie were essentially going to be no named kids. Yeah, I mean, uh, I mean, even the even the main people, like you had. Okay, so let's see. You had like I know I've seen the guy who played I Eero, Uncle Eero. Uh, that's gonna bother me. Uh, I know I've seen that guy before. Yeah, um, he's played a bad guy. Mako Iwamatsu. Yeah, he's played in a couple things. No, he, Mako is the one who does the. Oh, the actual voice actor. The vo- yeah, he's the voice actor yeah. for the. Yeah. Also, the voice. Actor. I was trying to get you the thing. I'm on the wrong thing. There we go. And this is IMDb is blending. Stop blending IMDb. There we go. So we have Noah Ringer is on. What has she done since? Or what has he done since? What is Noah Ringer? Why did I say Nora? Okay. I'm not going to question things. Uh, Last Airbender and Cowboys and Aliens. That was it. Two very sub Oh, man. I remember Cowboys and Aliens. (laughs) Two very sub movies. I'm not going to lie. Cowboys and Aliens better than The Last Airbender. Also, uh, John Fabra directed it, so by by default, it's better. Um, um, Jackson Rothbone is Sokka, or Soka, I believe yeah, they said. I, I, I was talking about... Uh, He's been in stuff. Sean okay. Taub. Sean Taub. Um, Let me see. I'm not sure how to pronounce Sean that Taub. name, but he's the one who plays Uncle Iroh in the live action. Oh, yeah. Yeah, no. He definitely has... Did he wait? Did he play? Um, he was the oh. doctor in the first Iron Man movie who helped Tony build the suit. He was, but was he? Yeah. Also? Hold on. He he no. has one of those faces where it's like, oh, I've seen that guy before. Um. Same with no, uh, the, the guy who played uh, Fire Lord Ozai, which. In the movie, I get why they did it. He was far more involved in the movie than he ever was in the show. He also, apparently, he played the sleeping guard. I mean, this is not, like, a name role. He played the sleeping guard in Hot Shots Part 2, which is an amazing movie. Have you seen Hot, Have you ever seen Hot Shots in Hot Shots Part 2? Uh, yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. With Charlie Sheen. I mean, oh, yeah, yeah dude, he shoots a chicken from a bow. And then it yeah, lays an egg it, when it, it sticks into somebody. It's amazing. It's the yeah. most, it, it, greatest movie ever. We have to do that. We, we have to do that in here one day. Um, um, the guy who played Billy in Doctor Sleep, who which was a fantastic movie. Yes, is fantastic one, movie. Is the one who played Fire Lord Ozai in the in the live action movie. And he, like I said, he was far more involved in the movie than he ever was in the show. In the show, he. He was always the guy in the background. You never really saw his face, and he'd have like a line or two, maybe. And then towards the end, you have you know the big showdown between him and Aang. But uh, he he never really got too involved. This guy was he was on ships and out for walks and talking to his generals constantly. And I was like, wow, that's okay, that's different. I honestly also I feel like the live action movie. One of the things, first off, their the pronunciations of the names really bothered me, but I, I was not thrilled with their casting choices for most of the cast. Agreed. But honestly, I think it was like the pacing really got 
got down. Like, they did... I will give them the small credit of some of the key points in the show they did manage to hit in the movie, though it felt super rushed and super rushed through. And I'm not going to lie, in in the movie, when the Fire Nation is attacking the, the Northern Water Tribe city uh, and all the boats are in the ocean, I was sad when Aang went into the uh, Avatar state and just made like what looked like a giant tidal wave and then receded it and he didn't turn into the big giant like water uh, Godzilla monster and went out there and like smacked ships around like he did in the that, show. That also too the attack was very the like the initial attack was very sad. Yes. If I, I haven't seen the movie in a while if I remember correctly it was very sad. It was like a couple of bonfires maybe. <laughs> yeah. I mean they had like a lizard that scaled the walls. They burnt a hole through the the ice wall, and then they had a bunch of Fire Nation people in the water, and they used like drill hats and drilled up yeah. through the ice into the, and infiltrated the city. It was very strange. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah. But they did touch upon the princess who was who shared essentially a life with the the moon goddess uh they did touch upon her and Sokka's relationship and her saving the, and becoming the moon goddess so i mean i gotta give them points for that but they lose a million points for the fact that Sokka in the live action movie was not a pr- he, he did not tell any jokes he was not very upbeat ever he was just like he was the very straight man. serious he was a straight man all the time yeah and Sokka yeah, is far from it. Like Sokka has his moments where he gets serious, <clears throat> like especially in combat. But even then, he's constantly cracking a, a very lame joke here and there. And if you're telling me that the writers could not squeeze in a couple lame jokes, that's horseshit. <laughs> that's I don't, I, I, they don't I even have to be good ones. They have to be lame on purpose. <laughs> um, but yeah, I just. Everything felt very rushed, and a lot of the times, like, when him and Katara were waterbending, like, practicing together, they did not show any water moving. Like, they were doing the movements, but they weren't passing water back and forth like they did in the show. There was one time where Aang started to lose control, and he was doing the move practice by himself, and he started making the ocean rumble a little bit. <clears throat> and then he had he had the need to go try to seek out the spirit dragon which that's also not how that worked but still i don't i don't know uh i'm just gonna you know i'm just gonna go ahead and say the avatar the movie not really needing to watch no it it does not it does not cover the broad spectrum of books one through three like the show does it only covers book one uh, I will say this: If you haven't seen the show and you watch the movie, you won't be nearly as disappointed. If true. you have seen the show, you should not watch the movie, as you will cry yourself to sleep. I mean, I don't think I'm going to do that, but I mean, I'm the type of person where I try to give all films the benefit of the doubt, uh, and I will try to always fight for what I thought maybe was the good parts in the film, but. Yeah, this one's just really not worth watching. Um, I, I mean, M. Night Shyamalama Ding Dong left, let us down pretty hard with this one. He did. Especially for did. that interview you sent me. He claims that he was like such a huge fan once he got into the Avatar and how he constantly watched, you know, the first and second seasons over and over again. It's like, then how did you fuck this up so much? I just, you know, I don't understand. I get that there's a lot of content. You have to rip some of it out to make a two-hour movie, but that's, I mean, I don't know. It it felt very off. Um, And, I mean, you could technically really go through the whole first movie only having seen Fire Lord Ozai, like, once like one little flashback scene or something and then that be done with it cuz he really was not that big in the show especially early on in my opinion um 
Let's see. Uh, I, I mean, as far as the show, the first book is the bo- is the water book, correct? Mm-hmm. So that that covers Aang essentially going to the Northern Water Tribe, learning water bending from a master. Book two is Earth, where he goes to the Earth Kingdom. That was another thing that they didn't have in the movie that I was very upset about was when they did visit that Earth Kingdom village and they showed they didn't, Aang. Have they didn't have the fucking the female fighters with all the face paint. Oh yeah. I mean then you then you don't introduce Suki, you don't introduce yeah. Sokka's love interest, and you don't those, introduce those are huge those are huge characters. And Boomy like, wasn't nearly as crazy. I don't remember who Boomy was. He is the Earth King. He was a crazy Earth King. That, oh, that was a different city. This was just the small little village. That oh yeah, they you're right. You're right. You're right. But yeah, then, they, then they go to the Earth. The then they go to the Earth Kingdom, and they do like the the rock sled slides and stuff. And he has to go through his yeah. trials. But yeah, this was just that Earth Village, uh, where they had like the big statue of the Avatar's past life. Uh, and they didn't have the painted uh, fighter ladies. Um, but was Boomy even in the movie? I don't think he was. And like, Boomy's awesome. I love Boomy. Yeah, because I don't. Like... I don't think they even touched. Mm-mm. I don't think they even made it to that Earth Kingdom yet. No, Boomy. I don't like think the they did that. Shot of... They didn't do that in season one either, though. I think they. I think they went there in see early, early season two, right? Let's see. Let's see. So they they were probably going to be saving that for. I'll tell you in a second. When do, when do, when do we get him? When do we get Boomy, the King of Amashu, which was nope, that was episode season five, episode one. Yep, we see Boomy in uh, um he in, in the episode King of Amashu. Um, season five. There's only three seasons. No, no, it's no, episode five of season one in oh. book one water. Oh. Yeah. I didn't think it was that early. Yeah, no, that's when they. I mean, that's when they first met Boomy. I don't think that's when they. He, he did his trials. Okay. Um, oh, I that might have been the flashback. Met... The flashback scene uh, with Ang remembering him. Uh, let me see. The King of Amashu. I'll tell you in a second because that was how the Amashu is. The Omashu delivery system. That was when the flashback was. But I'm trying to think when you. No, because no, the King of Amashu is when they met him in the King of Amashu. And then, yeah, that's when they caught up and they did, like, their whole, like, traveling the sh- traveling thing. Um, yeah, no, that's definitely the King of Amashu episode when that happens. That, because that that's, not the, that's not the same earthbending city that they meet Toph. Uh, no, they meet Toph in uh, Ba Sing Se, I think. Was it? I, think I, th- Bossing, yeah? I thought they traveled to Boston say afterwards to because they were hunting Oppa. What did they meet Toph? Where did they meet Toph? I always forget. I just been watching. I watch the show. Where did they meet Toph? Earth um, Kingdom has a lot of cities. It does. Like Fire Nation has like one, but they're trying to you know. Well, they have the Fire Nation islands. They have all yeah. that stuff. Where did they meet Toph? They first met Toph in. Toph also shows up in Legend of Korra. Um. They first meet Toph in. Hold on a second. Where's Toph's first appearance? Is the swamp and her uh, blind bandit? That's in book two. Oh, uh, Gowling. It's a Gowling. It's Gowling. I think. Okay. Who's in here? Yeah, hey, uh, that's where she's like the the fighter. Yeah, the she's she's like the reigning guy. champion of yep. earthbending fights. Or she learned earthbending from the badger moles. Uh, speaking of which, uh, the one of the other people in that in the in that city or whatever who is part of that rest of that earthbending fighting stuff is. Uh, if I can find it real quick, uh, a guy named a character named the Boulder. He's like one of the really big dudes, uh, voiced by Mick Foley. Oh yeah, no, you're right. Yep, 
That yep. is in fact. He's one of the Earthbender guys who shows up at the end to help out with the siege on the volcano. There are two. <clears throat> so, um, yeah, I mean, there's a lot of voice acting, and I'm not going to lie. Jesus. Calm down over there. Uh, there's a lot. Like, one thing that really pulled me in watching the, the show, not necessarily the movie, is... Uh, there's a there's like a lot of lore in this show that you know and, and that that kind of stuff really kind of pulls me in and sinks its teeth into me. Um, and you said this was essentially a, an American TV show. I mean, they pull a lot of you know they pull from a lot of like Eastern uh, lore, like culture types and stuff. Yep. And, they, and they do very well at it. Um, so I give I give props to the show for that. Uh, I, I don't know I don't know where to go from this. Like uh, I will I will admit uh, one of the very low 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 points for me. Like I said, it was a roller coaster ride. This show. One of the low 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 points was when they went to the the great library and then uh the library started sinking in the sands because they fucked up inside and yeah and toff stopped it from sinking so fast to buy them time to get out and a bunch of fucking sandbenders came and stole appa and she was pretty helpless to do anything about it because she was trying to keep an entire library that was mostly buried under the sand as it is from going completely under the sand and trapping all of them inside. Uh, that was probably one of the hardest small arcs for me to follow. Cause I kept, I, I, I loved Appa. Appa is my favorite character in the entire show. And then they showed after like several episodes, they had an episode all about Appa and his journey and where he went during that. And that was just as hard to watch. Like, they abused him. He got into a fight with a giant, like, porcupine boar, which really messed him up. Um, it was the painted face girls from that small village that ended up finding him and, and saving him. Um, he joined, he, he was recruited into a circus and, and abused with Fire Nation people who kept whipping him. Um, it was very sad. I did not like it. Yeah, the uh, Kyoshi Warriors. Yeah. yeah. Um,. And, I mean, really, other than that, that was really the only real bad part. Like, I, I got very emotional when they finally did reunite Appa outside. And he, like, busted through those earthbender people's walls and started. And then he bit the one dude on the leg and threw him out into the lake. I was cheering for him. It was great. I loved it. Uh, Momo, also, great character. He's a little flying lemur thing. Um, and I was also sad in the movie, uh, Momo hangs out with Sokka a lot, or Soka, Sokka, uh, and in the movie, not at all. Yeah. Yeah. I I think, like, half the enjoyment that I get from Momo is his interactions with, with Sokka, uh, but... I mean, what did you think? I mean, first off, what are your thoughts on on the show? <clears throat> obviously, oh, the show. Our, obviously, our thoughts are pretty similar on the movie. It doesn't need to be watched by anybody. Uh, no. But if you have watched it and you haven't seen the show, go watch the show. You will be pleasantly surprised and not let down in the slightest. No. Um and it, it's not just a kid show. Like you, you can you it's really not. to get out of it as an adult. Like you can definitely watch it as an adult. Even I will say, okay, I will say first and foremost. Okay, so both the show and the movie were were made by Nickelodeon. Okay, Nickelodeon had their hands in it anyway. Mm-hmm. Uh, in the movie, first off, that fire dude who like killed the moon spirit fish, the koi fish, mm-hmm. when he was up and like he tried to blast 
Zuko and Iroh with the fire, and then Iroh was just like, nah, bitch, and just kind of separated the fire and then walked away. And then the four Water Tribe guys went up there, and he was going to attempt to fight them. They flat out killed him. They put him in a bubble, choked him out, and then slammed him to the ground, and he was dead. They even said that that guy died in that in that in that fight. I was like, that's kind of dark for a Nickelodeon movie. Like, <laughs> like he just lied there with his eyes open, just unmoving and unbreathing. I was like, yep, damn, no, hey, he died. <laughs> he won't be in the sequel. And I thought Aang was gonna crash those waves down on the mm-hmm. boats at the very end. And I, I was telling myself, dude, if you do that, you just killed a lot of people for a pacifist. Like, there's no way that some of those people on those decks of those ships survive that. But it's cool, I guess. In the show, I will say one of the biggest internal struggles that Aang had in the show was he knew he was supposed to fight the Fire Lord, which is Zuko's dad, uh, and stop him. And he chose to do it on a day that the comet was going by and that the Fire Lord was going to be at his strongest. And everyone was trying to tell him that he needed to kill the Fire Lord. That was the only way that this was going to end. And he revisited and re, you know, he meditated and revisited with a lot of his past lives, like the avatars before him. They all essentially told him, yeah, you need to, you need to nix him out of the equation, essentially. Um, I will say I'm not I'm not going to ruin or spoil what happens, but it is a very interesting to me uh, twist that allowed Aang to do what he needed to do without breaking his own code of honor. Uh, and I thought I thought that was probably one of the highlights of that character's life, essentially. Um, and I get why they put that pretty much right at the end of the show. So it was good. Yeah. And it's not one thing I want to preface. I mean, really the last thing I want to talk about, unless you have any questions for me, uh, me having, you know, not seen this until just recently, uh, for the first time ever and really not knowing much about the show, uh, like going into the avatar, I knew, okay. Yeah, so it's it's these people called benders who can control the four different elements. You know, you have Aang, who's the last airbender. Uh, he controls air. Then you have you know Katara, who's a waterbender. There's a lot of other waterbenders, but she's the last one in her in the southern tribes. <clears throat> and then there's earthbenders and firebenders. Man, going through the show. First off, Toph creates a bending. She's badass. Okay, for a blind girl. She's like a young blind girl who she has like tremor sense. First off, she has tremor sense. Hands down. If I had to make her into a 5e character, tremor sense. Yeah. Uh second, she 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 t- self-taught herself how to do metal bending because it's so closely related to earth and it, it's <clears throat> it's mind-blowing that other earthbenders hadn't thought about it. But Hey, she she taught herself how to do it, and I'm sure she becomes a master metal bender. Uh, Katara ends up meeting a witch who was a water bender, and on a similar fashion, you know, with earth with metal coming from the earth, uh, there is water in the human body, and there Katara ended up learning how to blood bend, which was kind of a dark story arc, and she rarely used it. I don't think she enjoyed using it for sure. Um, but she definitely, she had, she used it when she had to, <clears throat> but she could essentially manipulate people by bending their blood. Um, were there any other, uh, there were sand benders. That was sand different. Benders. That was uh, different. Fire benders could use lightning. Right. That's right. And there was only a couple of them that could, right? Yeah. It was really experienced with yeah, so it was a uh, Fire Lord Ozai, uh, Azura. It was pretty much most of the Iro. royal family. Iro Zuko did it at the end, didn't he? Uh, he didn't. He didn't shoot lightning of his own. He he redirected his sister's light. He he was taught how to redirect lightning. Yeah, I'm trying to think. Did he? I'm trying to think if he ever learned. 
I mean, in my in my understanding, not by the end of the three seasons of the show. Yeah, he learned to like absorb it. Yeah, because yeah, Azula could do it, and then he got blasted by it because he couldn't he couldn't redirect it when she instead shot it at Katara at the end. I'm not gonna lie, I I was slightly concerned because I, I I was rooting for the whole. Uh, Aang and Katara kind of hook up, and then Katara, when Z- when Zuko started joining the party, Katara, I don't know, I thought they were gonna end up together, and I was like, oh man, Aang, you got the fucking, you got cock blocked on that one, bud. So, nah, uh, but uh, he has uh, what's his name? He has his my. Yeah. He has my. Oh, he had Jen. Yeah. I, I I feel bad for Jen, the little earthbending girl in Bussing Say. That he kind of had like a thing with for a minute. Oh, oh, oh Zuko, Zuko, he, where he lit up the torches yeah. and stuff. Yeah, yeah, she yeah. just kind of got dipped on, huh? Yeah, <laughs> they, I think like, they had a great her. night, and then they just they're like, okay, we gotta go. <laughs> um, yeah, it was messed up. Uh, but uh, I mean, other than that, do you have any questions for me as far as? Um, anything, I guess. I mean, I've, are, I've been gonna, very I'll, forward I'll, with the fact that Appa and Momo are my two favorite. Yeah, I was going to ask you like your favorite characters, but obviously you already said that. Yeah, <sighs> my two favorite um, human characters. I guess here, here are you, are, you are are you upset that you didn't watch it sooner? Uh, no, no, I'll say no. Uh, I'm glad I got a chance to sit down and enjoy it when I did. Um, and it gives me kind of like when you have me watch an anime that you've already seen, mm-hmm. it, it makes me excited to be able to message people and say, Oh, this happened. Or I wonder what this is going to do. And then, you know, they get to react like, Oh shit. I know that part. Buckle up, you know, <laughs> shit like that. Yep. So does it never bothers me to be the last in line to see something. Right. Um, does watching Avatar give you an idea for D and D to have an entire world of nothing but Genasi oh, that man. Uh, of nothing but Genasi that have their own kingdoms and <laughs> I I will tell you this coming watching this, okay, I could not help but start adapting or thinking about plot hooks or story ideas or even character traits and inserting them into the D and D worlds in some fashion. Uh, I will say this has given me a lot to think about and I do have to sit down with Austin to discuss a few things, but you are not far off of some of the thoughts that I do now currently have in my head. Uh, Let's just say uh, it's going to be a very homebrewed map of the Astral Sea. So. I like it. But yes. Um, I like it. I don't necessarily know. Like, let me ask you that question. So, like, I know there's, like, the way of, was it, the way of four elements or something, monk, one of the monk traditions. Which would not do. I don't think it would do this. Do this justice. It was basic. It was ba- no. It actually was based um off of Avatar. It just didn't do it well. Right <laughs> now, how would you change if you were gonna? Okay, if you had to pick a character, how would you build them in Avatar? So say I wanted you. Say I wanted you to build Toph. And me and you. I, I want me and you to sit down and build Toph as a five E character. Um. Yeah. How would you like almost everybody in here would have to have some fashion of monk as a class? Yeah, they absolutely would. Um, so hmm, hold on a second. I, I actually thought about this in the past. There's an easy way to do it if you're not, if you so, hmm, there is an easy way to do it, but only if you're doing. Give me a second here. I'm trying to just re- reconfirm something here. Do, 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 do. 
Yeah, no, that's not. They, see, they, 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 they screwed that up, I think. Let me double check that, but I think they screwed that up. Uh, mastery of Let me go to the Masteries. Are you reading the way of the four or elements or whatever? No, I'm not. See, the only way, like, only way you could do it with the way it currently is, is, um, so, I would say, like, the way I, because I, I've made an Avatar character, like, ish in the past in 3.5, but the way I, I it, the way it was, was, it was, uh, a dual class or a gestalt, if you will. It was a monk Wujin. Mm-hmm. Or, yeah. Which, which the Wujin back in the day was, it's, it was your elemental caster. Um, so you kind of could do that. But with the Monk now, it's a little bit easier to just make elements. They do have illusions, which would give you, like, the hit dice and stuff to be, like, make sense. Um, they do have the Wujin under the Mystic class, which is not bad, and you get, like, ma- you get your powers are mastery powers, so that you get the mastery of ice, for instance, or mastery of weather, mastery of, you can, like, take it, mastery of, like, wood and earth, for instance. So, like, you're attuned your mind to seize control of wood and earth, psychic focus. While a focus on the discipline, you have plus one bonus to AC. Um, animate weapon. As an action, your mind seizes control of a one-handed melee weapon you're holding. The weapon flies towards one creature within 30 feet of you. Da, 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 da. So it's, like, kind of like your metal wood bending. Uh, warp weapon. As an action, choose one non-magic weapon held by one creature you can see within 60 feet. That creature must see in a strength saving throw, or the chosen weapon can't be used to attack in the end of your turn, so you can, like, bend it and twist it around. It's, like, not nearly as, like impactful and i do think 5e makes it difficult to do stuff like that but if i was going to do it, it um i feel like it'd it, almost have to be like a monk sorcerer combo it would but the problem is there's not really that many good elemental spell like direct elemental spells that like let you interact with stuff like at least not ones that aren't fire or or ice based. yeah and like ones that let you do interactive stuff outside of like i do one very specific thing right that's kind of the problem. Um, like, way of the let me, let me look away the four elements real quick. Um, before I confirm, like, how bad it really is, because I, I know it's bad, but I want to confirm how bad it actually is. Um, I don't necessarily know that it's bad, I don't think there's any real. Bad oh no! It actually, it actually. Me, but... If I remember correctly, when I, like when people would like look it over, it was it it was very okay. I'm not bad. It was very suboptimal. I'll put it that way. Yeah, that, I mean that's very, a very very suboptimal, and like it was so a suboptimal to a point of even as a joke, like it you 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 would be better off doing other stuff. Um, let me see, five B monk subclasses, five B monk sub. Classic. The only problem, like, see, bending is so free. Like, there's really bending doesn't cost you anything. Like, well, you could argue it would, it would cost you some fashion of energy based off. Of right. No, I'm saying, like, so I mean, you can't bend all day, but I mean, like, for the most part, like, you could pretty much bend all fight without really any any downside, unless you're doing like some really restraining and like crazy stuff. So your problem you run into is you're looking like. There you go. Um, yeah, wait for elements. Customizable elemental team, man. You get fangs of the fire snake, fists of the four thunders, uh, fists of unbroken air, um, rush of the gale spirits, shape of the flowing river, sweeping cinder strike, water whip, uh, clinch of the north, uh, gong of summit, flame of the phoenix, mist stance, ride the winds, breaker of winter, or breath of winter. Eternal Mountain Defense, um, River of Hungry Flames, Wave of Rolling Earth. Um, hold on a second. See, the way I would do something along those lines is I gotta look up the class though and see if there's a is there is there a five e conversion for that class. While you're looking at that, I will say uh, additional voices in this in the cartoon. Uh, master, what the hell is that? Uh, Pian Dao, the the sword master who teaches Sokka uh, mm-hmm. training and stuff. He is voiced by Robert Patrick, who is the T one thousand in Terminator Two. <laughs> um, what's his face? Uh. 
Long Feng, who I believe was the douchebag guy, the really shady guy in uh, Bon Sing Sang or whatever. He was like the guy who was trying to control the king. Uh, was voiced by Clancy Brown. But then, when I was scrolling through this, the one that really got me... Uh, Fire Lord Sozin. When they had like the flashbacks of uh, Sozin and uh, Roku working mm -hmm. together. Mm -hmm. The Fire Lord Sozin was voiced by Ron Perlman. Oh yeah, it was. Yep. Good old Ronnie boy. Ronnie and the Hizzles. And I will say on a final note for the show anyway, um, man, I do feel bad for that cabbage vendor. Of course. Man, that guy got wrecked like three times and then he just gave up. <laughs> I, 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 I'm not gonna lie. I kind of really wish that they showed him at the very end. I they might have. I don't remember now. Uh, but yeah, I wish. I wish he had like a little cabbage stand out in the crowd somewhere when Z Zuko and and Aang were standing together. But you're into some of those cabbages. Yep. All happy like yeah, cabbage. Um. But yeah, I mean. I would be interested in f figuring out how how we we could adapt. Uh, bending would, I, into I mean, a five I think it would have to be something custom, and I kind of have something in mind on how you could do it. Um, okay. Yeah, I have something kind of how how you could do it. It would be adopting an old three point five. Uh, there's three classes specifically in 3.5, which are my favorite melee classes to play. Because melee back in the day was, I'm sure, melee back in the day, you know, was very, not suboptimal. It just wasn't nearly as fun. Yeah, I mean, I'm coming Old school D&D melee was, I swing big sword. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I'm coming like, from a standpoint of of D&D 2nd edition. Uh, and I played, you know, one of my one of my characters was, was a minotaur fighter um and it really was every turn that came around was okay i attack like i just i swing my weapon uh, you know yeah. you, you don't have any other fancy choices about it yeah no that, i mean that really is it like that's even in 3.5 like the the core classes unless you're taking unless you're multi-classing or like you're doing you're taking like um like prestige classes where like you're you're getting like some cool little feats or something here and there, like it really wasn't even up to all. I would say that stopped in fourth edition, and it did. Uh, fourth and fifth edition is where fourth edition is where melee characters got actual like ingrained abilities and yeah. powers. Yeah. But everything else, like fighters, just got a fuck ton of feats. Barbarians, they got they got the rage. That I mean, that was kind of it. Yep. Uh, paladins had their their smites, but I mean, just like if you want to be a fighter. And ha really be like a magical fighter in any way. You just want to be a fighter. You were kind of fucked. I will say in second edition, paladins paladins had a lot more variety and stuff, and they had a lot more utility, um, especially in combat. Like you could do other things other than just I yeah. want to swing my weapon. Well, yeah, yeah. But you in had second edition. Other you also had to have very specific attribute scores or ability scores to even be able to make these characters like you couldn't have right. a sub you know suboptimal uh, you know ability scored paladin you had to meet very specific requirements to meet certain things and i think if i remember correctly two of the hardest classes to roll stats for in second edition were the paladin and the bard Yep, those were the two hardest ones. Though it was Paladin, Bard, Wizard was the second, but you really need one, one or two good stats for to be able to qualify yeah. for Wizard. Paladin and, and Bard, and, you needed like three good stats. Yeah, and what they did was in three point five. Was three point five? They made it where the base classes didn't have any really any entry requirements, but they took that same mechanic and applied it to prestige classes. Yeah. So you could become like you could specialize and do something very very cool like for instance like you wanted to make like one of my favorite classes of all time was making an ur priest or taking an ur priest dip which if you were a cleric which is kind of like um like a dark wizardy cleric 
But in order to the requirements to be an Ur priest were alignment. You had to be um, you had to be any version of evil. You had to have six ranks of bluff, five ranks of knowledge arcana, eight ranks of knowledge religion, five ranks of knowledge the planes, um, eight ranks in spellcraft. You had to have the iron will feat and spell focus evil. Had to have a base save bonus of plus three to fortitude and plus three to will. And special, the character must have no ability to cast divine spells. If such spellcasting ability was previously possessed, as in with an ex-cleric, that ability is forever forsaken. The character must train by a, must be trained by another Ur-Priest. So now, you have to meet that, all those requirements in order to have entry into the class. Is that something you could even do at character creation? At character creation, no. Unless you start off a higher level, no. Like that was something you had to build for. Like that's why I right. la- like that's why I, that's three point five is what got me good at building characters because literally in three point five. You had to plan out every. Yeah, feat. you had to look ahead. I I do I do remember that that was something in second edition. You had to look ahead, and like you had you to build towards something. You had yeah. to build towards something. It wasn't like right. oh you level up and you're like okay well now I got to figure out what I want to do. Like nine times out of ten, especially if you're in a group and like I don't want to say a power gaming group, but you were in a group where the people knew how to play the game and they knew how to build characters. If you didn't want to get left behind, you very quickly had to be like, okay, when I make my character at level one, I stat at my character up to level five or level six. Like I knew where I was going that every time I would level, I would go up another two or three extra levels and figure out where I wanted to go with it. Because one feat, like if you miscalculated one feat, you're fucked. If your DM wouldn't, if your DM wasn't the kind of DM that would let you like retrain feats, because some DMs would, some you know, some DMs would, some DMs because like by the book, you you by the book, you didn't have to retrain, you weren't allowed to retrain feats, but it was like an optional rule. Um, so if some DMs would be like, okay, yeah, when you level up, you can you but you have to wait until you level up. When you level up, you can retrain your feet. Yeah. So it was kind of one of those situations. So like you may have to take an extra level in a class so you don't get your all the way out. Some DMs will just say, okay, go ahead. So you had to kind of think ahead every time. Yeah. So like there were numerous times I had level five characters, but I had level twenty. I had the character mapped out to level 20 because I knew I wanted to know exactly where that character was going along the way and what feats I needed to take at what level and everything else. Because if you took the wrong feat, the wrong thing, or you put uh, abilities in the wrong stats, you may not qualify for what you need. Right. Yeah. So, yeah, like it, it, it got to a point where that was kind of how that went down. Um, but yeah, like some of my favorite classes to play was obviously like the Ur priest. Uh, what was the bard one? Um, Fuck, what was the bard class? The bard prestige class. My f- Hands down, the reason why I love playing a bard was that one class. I'm trying to think of... Well, not, not prestige class, because there was the bard. That was the bard. Hmm. Was it? Hmm. It was a prestige class, but I'm trying to think what the hell it was. Sublime Chord. That's what it was. Um... The Sublime Chord. I love being the Sublime Chord. That was a fun class. Let's see if I can pull it up real quick. Sublime Chord. I will say second edition is where my love of thieves came from. Building thief characters. Um, I do not miss Thacko. <laughs> nobody misses Thacko like who, no, who's like here like you know what you know what we need in our lives we need some Thacko it's like okay I want you to roll to hit this guy everybody pull out your math books pull out your calculators let's figure this out I'm laughing with like one day Webby I'm gonna get you like that and be like alright Webby we're playing a and d game you're like alright cool like uh, let me guess level 1 like nope level 12 you're like yeah soon as combat starts like alright Webby pull out Thacko tables you're like fuck no I'd quit right there <laughs> Plot those stacko tables. I wouldn't do it. So yeah. So this was this was relatively easy. Like the virtuoso, relatively easy to go into. Um, you have to have ten ranks in perform, six ranks in intimidate, six ranks in diplomacy, um, and be able to cast level zero arcane spells. I will say one uh, fucked up thing about second edition. Yep. Being an elf was a class choice, not a race choice. <laughs> Yeah. That was fucked up. <laughs> so. Yeah, so, like, for here, I'm going to see this class. So, like, um, which I guess it doesn't matter anymore because she's not in our in, not in not our stories anymore. Who? Um, How do you know? 
who's our uh, who's our who's our chick who plays songs? In um in in, in uh in distractions, who went back to vamp? Who uh God damn it, Clark's sister. Oh, Alyssa. Alyssa, yeah. So I'm gonna say this to you: like she would have been, she was like textbook virtuoso back in the day. Right. Uh, definitely with like how would like them playing their songs, like how they played textbook virtuoso. Yep. And I do miss, I I do miss the fact that you know bards now they're very utility spell casters, but before it was more so. All right, I spend around singing a song or playing a song, and this is the essentially yep. the buff or debuff that the song causes yeah like the virtuoso uh, performance so you have it um so first off they have bardic music which virtual levels stack with bard level for the purchase of determining the daily use of their abilities so basically you can treat the these class levels as bard levels virtuoso performance you can uh use your perform skill to create magical effects on those around them can use the ability once per day per level of virtuoso, which means if bar level counts for that or bar levels count. Um, so if you 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 have you enter this probably at level ten, um, or you do, uh, what five ten five? With how many classes is Sublime Chord? Sublime Chord is ten ten levels. So yeah, you enter this is probably level ten. So you're looking at twenty at twenty up to twenty times a day, and so like some of the songs you you could do. Persuasive song. A virtuoso who leads 11 ranks in perform skill can deliver a performance that sways the attitude of his audience. Treat this as a diplomacy check made to influence the NPC, but replace a, diploma, replace a diplomacy check with a perform check. Viewers will be 30 feet. Um, and be willing, paying attention to actions. Ability requires at least 10 consecutive rounds of concentration to take effect. So she can start playing music in the background and people would just start doing shit that she wants them to do. Yep. Uh, sustaining song. Virtuoso of a higher level. I will say... Skill. I will say that that would be like if you tried to adapt this to a 5e version of it now, that would be the most boring th- class to play for somebody. Is okay, I start playing like this persuasive song or whatever. All right, you got to play that for 10 consecutive rounds and you have to concentrate. That's, like that's like the mastermind. That's like the ma- I, that's one of my favorite classes. I, I still want to play that class in a game, and especially I want to play that class in a game of like less experienced players where I can just be like kind of a guiding force without actually being like right, taking but, over combat. But literally every turn and every round in combat, it's just like, okay, Devin, what are you doing your turn? It's like, I'm still playing my song next. Well, yeah, I mean, that's kind of like what the mastermind, like the mastermind is, is, is a little different, but the mastermind is basically like, what are you doing this round? Oh, I'm moving in this position and then giving my advantages to this person to do things like that's kind of all they do. Um, right. And then like every now and again, they stab someone in the back. Yeah. <laughs> That's kind of what they do. But I love the Mastermind. Like, most of their abilities take place outside of combat. Like, they take place outside of combat, but yeah. it's one of those things. Yeah. Um, like, so they have, like, Sustaining Song, which just can basically, can like, if you're playing that in, like, a, if you have a bunch of virtuosos playing Sustaining Song in, like, a mass battle, it's really unfair. Um, because it automatically stabilizes dying allies. And right. automatically, they regain one hit point if they're between negative one and nine hit points. So if they, it automatically puts them at stable. <laughs> so yeah. nobody will die. They all go down, but they won't die, which is nice. Um, you could keep that up for a total of five minutes. Uh, jarring song um, with 15 ranks to perform. Can you can inhibit spell casting, which is crazy. Any any within 30 feet attempting to cast a spell during a jarring song must make a concentration check DC equal to the uh, equal to the virtuoso yeah, perform check. Yeah, to that's, avoid losing that's the spell. just that's just casting a song. That's just casting a. a, a, a... A spell, too. A spell. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Just cast, yeah. If you do try to cast a spell within, if you're within 30 feet of the person playing the song, just trying to cast a spell, you have to overcome their check they made when they started huh. playing the song. See, I'd love being the DM at that point, like having having a player cast a spell and be like, okay, make a concentra- concentration check. And then they're like, but it's not a concentration spell. It's like, I didn't ask you that. I just <laughs> I said, make a that. concentration check. Yeah, Anthony. <laughs> <laughs> It's just it's one of those calling things it's like, out, it's like it's I'm I'm not calling anybody out, Hollywood. No. <laughs> but it's it's just one of those things, it's like rule number one, man, as a player, don't argue with the DM. If the DM asks you to do something, just do it. Yeah. So you know? the buster part about that though, you ready? Ready? You can keep this up for a total of ten rounds. 
Yeah. No, yeah, yeah. No, <laughs> bars, 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 bars were insane. I, I love it. I love it. So, Song of Fury, seventh level or higher, each hour and 30 feet. Because if it's, anything like, rage? if it's anything like fifth edition, where coming out of a rage causes a point of exhaustion, uh, imagine doing that in fifth edition. He's just like, okay, I'm going to play this song. The whole party rages. It's like, okay, I'm going to stop this song. All right, I'm going to play this song again. The whole party decides to rage again. The barbarian could still be in their rage if they're in, because they could have just, you know, sustained their own rage, just not taken one of their rage points. Uh, and then, like, all of a sudden, the, you stop playing and the party has two points of exhaustion. It's like, hey, you guys are the assholes who keep going into the rage. I'm doing this mainly for the barbarian. <laughs> no, see, really? No, see, really? What? But then that's when you secretly find out that the, um, that the barbarian was just, uh, that the, uh, bard was trying to actually kill the party. Right. <laughs> So what they're actually I'm doing is the all, song for the what, sixth time. I go into a rage. No, like, oh, you no see, what they're doing is they're also <laughs> playing a persuasive song at the same time. So they're persuading them to rage. Oh God! <laughs> now, I, in 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 three point five, could they play multiple? You couldn't concentrate on multiple songs at a time, could you? Unless you had multiple I believe, bards. I believe there was. No, I believe there was a combination. That's what one of the things that made the thing so broken. There was a combination of classes and feats. You would not end up with full casting, right. but there was a combination of classes and feats. You could build it out where you would be able to like sustain multiple songs. Gotcha. And it was like it was kind of busted. All right. So with that being said, we're over the hour mark. We've moved on yep. from the Avatar uh, uh, topic, uh, and I smell my dinner in the background. And I'm getting really hungry, so we're going to end the episode here. Uh, yep. I'm going to say, uh, for anybody who does listen to this, if you have watched the Avatar and you if you have any questions for me on, regarding my thoughts on a particular story arc or my thoughts on a particular character, dude, shoot me a message. I would love to shoot the shit about uh, the Avatar. Um, I, I thought I, I think I, I picked out my favorite characters pretty wisely. Um, even my favorite human characters, I, I really, really enjoy Toph. Uh, she's right up there. Um, but other than that, uh, Devin, where can people find you on the internet, man? You guys can find me on Twitter at DMP underscore Pookie and on Twitch at Pooh Killed Me. Okay. Also, you can find me on eBay. That's right. No name needed. Hucking Cabbages. Oh, Hucking Cabbages on eBay. Uh, Hucking Cabbages. And as always, guys, you guys can follow me on Twitter at Jax Forest Walker, all one word, on Twitch at DM Webby, on Instagram at Patrick.Webster52, where I post some fucking weird pictures every so often. Uh, and Devin, can you give us a wisdom, Devin's life advice for the day, for the week? Life advice for the week? Um, hmm. Sometimes life's going to fuck up your cabbage cart. And I think sometimes, you know, mm. the guy next to you who's making, who's taking lemons and making lemonade, sometimes just go home. Fuck that guy. Go home. Like Sounds the world, the world's not meant, for, the world's not meant for you. Just go home. Take take a day off. It's fine. Sometimes you're <laughs> you the don't always vendor. have to make. Sometimes you're the cabbage vendor. Sometimes you're the cart. Yes. Yes. Also, there's a meme I need to find uh, and send it to you, Webby. Um, it involves Appa, and I gotta find it. All right. Uh, so thank you everybody for listening and until next time, fuck Booster Gold. Uh, Booster Gold. Appa is the best. Oh, I want to say this to you real quick, Devin. Uh, I threw Donnie for a loop. He sent me a picture of like a bunch of anime people and he says, if you could pick one to be your sensei, who would it be? And it had Piccolo on there. I also had Kakashi Sensei, and I chose Kakashi, and he's like, you didn't pick Piccolo? I was like, hey man, that's what I do.